something. Something's coming through. Someone, someone wants to talk to us. It's, it's someone from the other side. Hello. This is Victoria, and welcome to a special Halloween episode of the Ninth Story Podcast. We talk about the classic, Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park. Very well then, come ahead, Kiss. I may be outnumbered, but I am not out, man. My last Halloween costume as a kid, I was Paul Stanley. I was. Seriously? Yeah, I was. Yeah. Were you the star child or I were was. you Paul Stanley? I was. <laughs> I, I was. I was. I was Paul Stanley. I was the star child. Okay. Which interestingly, Paul. I was always <laughs> a Peter. Way. I was a Peter Chris fan. Really? Yeah. You were one of those guys. Yeah. Yeah. But you so, were the guy. Yeah, because I wanted to be a drummer. Uh, when I was a kid. Oh, so, okay. it so wasn't that he was a cat. It, it was, had nothing to do with the cat because I... That was the lamest? No, right. I'm a demon. I'm the star child. I'm a kitty cat. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> what, what are you? Well, I'm a lover, I'm so I'm the star child, and I got this whole thing going on. All right, that's cool. Well, Ace, what are you? I'm Space Ace. I'm a spaceman. Uh, Peter. I'm a cat. Meow. <laughs> Let's find that cat, man. Affirmative. This pussy cat. I'm a little kitty cat. Meow. <laughs> <laughs> I never thought of that. Well, and then, you know, when he leaves the band and then uh, Eric Carr jumps in there, what are you going to be? I'm a fox. <laughs> it's like, so, you know, seriously? <laughs> oh, it's funny. I was well, just thinking know, of this. You know, Paul. <laughs> That's it. Come on. Can you do it? Can you do? Uh, Gene Simmons is a voice that I always wanted to be able to do, and I can't. You know, the thing about Kiss is. <laughs> it's pretty good. It, it's, it's got something for everyone. You know, Kiss is like ice cream and steak. <laughs> You're exactly right there, Gene. <laughs> hey, everybody. I'm coming out there to see you. Woo-woo. Let me get my ring here. <laughs> oh, God. I, it's, it's very, very slippery. I remember you telling me uh, when you saw Kiss a couple years ago at the, at the at Pittsburgh, and I just remember you going, Hey, Pittsburgh, can you feel me? <laughs> you want to feel me? You know... You know, Paul, you're getting a little old to be riding around on a ring. Oh, that's good shit. There was something I saw earlier this week. I think I was watching that metal show on uh, VH1 Classic, and they were talking about Kiss. What a great title for a show. I love that. That metal show. I love that. I that's, love that that's, that's, awesome. that's as creative as those guys can get. That metal show. That's actually a fun program. It's I was thinking good. about calling this That Podcast. That Podcast. But, but that's actually that, That's funny. Probably by one of those guys. Probably yeah. Eddie Trunk or, or Jim Florentine Could or be. the other guy that I can never remember. That other guy. See? The, the other go. guy. Yeah. It's like the that third, other guy on that show. It's like the third tenor. You know. <laughs> Pavarotti, Placido Domingo, and the other guy. Gene Simmons. <laughs> I am the third tenor. That's what most people don't know. The tongue is not that long, but it's definitely got a spin cycle. <laughs> um, but so do you remember when Vinnie Vincent joined the band? <laughs> yes. When when Vinnie Vincent was in the band, they still Oh they, Vinnie Vincent. They still had makeup for a period. They didn't make any albums in makeup with Vinnie, 
But do you remember that Vinny had a character and what he was? That's a little trivia question for Dan. I know the he was Vinny the Onk. Oh, that's right, the Onk. Yeah, yeah. Not your uncle, but the right. Onk. A N K H. So the Onk again. It's that's his, pretty creative. It is creative. I'll give you that. Like, what are the properties and powers of an Onk? Like, oh, okay. Well, we just had Ace just left, and he was the spaceman. And we got this fox still kicking around. Yeah, Gene and Paul with the tried and true. Vinny, what do you want to be? Yeah, I saw that Raiders of the Lost Ark movie there a couple. You know, I'm going to be a fucking onk. <laughs> That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, I'm, th- I'm thinking that was that was it. I'm the, I'm the onk. Vinny the onk. <laughs> Your ride is about over, kiss. On second thought. Let's go! on a Davenport. One day, the first chimp said to the other, Hello. Hello. Thank you, Victoria, for that ride up to the ninth story. Here we are for episode four. Episode four. Episode four of the ninth story. Four times as good as the first. Four times as good as the first. Awesome. Awesome. Thank all of the followers that have jumped on this crazy, wacky, wild ride thus far. That's right. Our millions of listeners. Millions. Millions of followers. There's crazy birds on Twitter. Yeah, it's going, it's nuts, man. Like I told you, episode two, I said it was exploding. It was going to pop and it's popped. It has. It's big, it's big doings. It's, I think we're the next Breaking Bad. I can't go anywhere and say anything without people turning around and going, hey, aren't you that guy? Right. You're like Ken Jeong. Exactly. Are you that guy from that thing? Yeah, exactly. They don't recognize me, right. but they're like, hey, I've heard that voice they re- before They somewhere. recognize your voice. That's right. Even when you're just standing there. That's saying right. Saying nothing. Saying nothing. Yeah. What's been going on since the last episode, since we last got together? Well, like you said, we do have some uh, folks jumping on the Twitter bandwagon, which is at Ninth Story. Of course, the website's out there, which is ninthstory.com. We made it a little bit easier for people to find us with podcast.ninthstory.com. Takes you right to the podcast page, and you click on the little pictures, and it'll play the episode for you. And you can also go to the collector tab and sign up for the show through your favorite media player. If you like iTunes or Zune or whatever, they're all on there. Well, you are shilling. You are dropping. You're putting some stuff out there. If you're in Tibet, you can hire a Sherpa. You climb could. Climb the top of one of the tallest mountains. You could. Yeah. You could sit there and meditate and Correct. you can get the show that way. That's you right. You can just suck it well, in right. uh, out of the ether. But it just comes to you. Right? That's right. right. It just comes to you through the waves. That's, that's, right. that's a great. That's probably the best way to, to enjoy the program. That is. Because you fastest. can play it back anytime you want. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's there with you. Yeah. But other than that, most of the way through the new Stephen King book, Oh, the yeah. Shining sequel, Doctor Sleep. While you're moving, pretty good book. I've enjoyed it so far. It's an interesting sequel. It starts out with Danny a couple years later, and then we move forward and we find him whenever he's a. 30. Oh, Danny's the character. I thought you were talking about shopping the third person there. 
Exactly. Right. I always talk uh, about myself in the third person and use a name for my child. Who, who better to do that? Well, why not? Right. But we find him whenever he's grown up and a fan of the drink. Okay. Like Jack was. Sure. And following him until he gets, he turns things around. He gets to be somebody else's Scatman Crothers. So. Nice. Very nice. Yeah. You worked. Well, great. Another yeah. Scatman reference. You got the shining there, got my the, friend. You got the shine. Sure. Sure. Yeah. So what else has been going on? Staying up late, recording episodes of my little radio show, The Ride. That's awesome. While you're shilling up for this show, you should also drop in something about The Ride. Let the kids know where they can find that. Oh, uh, well, that's just ride.ninthstory.com. Okay. Well, that was simple. That gets you right there. That'll do it. And it comes along with the feed for the podcast. So if you subscribe to iTunes or Zoom or whatever, that'll come along with the feed as well. And I try to do that every week if I can. Sometimes... It's every other week. It's only about seven or eight minutes long, but believe it or not, it actually takes me a couple hours to edit that because there's, I mean, I do the whole thing. I do the sound, I do the voices, I do music in the background, multiple layers of imagery and sound. Well, not Now, a lot of people don't know this, that the first episode of The Ride, you actually recorded that in your car with the windshield wipers running. (laughs) That's a secret. We don't tell anybody about that. (laughs) I hate to give that spoiler alert. I was in the trunk. Sure. With the windshield wipers that running. That's Some nice. guy, I just, I was like, hey, can you drive me around for a while? I'm going to hang out in the trunk <laughs> and talk to myself. And he's like, sure, that sounds great. Right, right, right. So since the, since we last got together, since you were last gracious enough to have me on the show, a lot's happened. Well, not a lot, but there have been some things in the pop culture world. Yeah. I think when we last went to tape, Breaking Bad had not. Had it not was been, It was that weekend. It, right. It was coming up. What did you think? What do we think about it? I liked it. it. Uh, there were two shows that ended this year yes. that I thought ended perfectly. Yeah. One of them was not Dexter. Um, <laughs> I'm okay with Dexter ending. did in fact end though. It did end. Yes. It just wasn't really well received by the fans. Yeah. And I can understand why. I'm okay with it because I understand what they were trying to go for, but there were a lot of people that were disappointed. I enjoyed the ending to Futurama. I thought that was a perfect ending. I, I had, I had no idea that, of the Futurama. I, I, early on, but I tuned out. I got to be honest with you. That's part of my ignorance. I didn't even realize that Futurama was A, still on, or B, that it, it that it ended. It was back for its third time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And where did we find Futurama in its later years? It wasn't on Fox anymore, was it? Um, was it on one, Was it on Cartoon Network or no, no, Comedy it, it, Channel? Was yeah, it, 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 it ended up back on oh, Fox, Okay, I think. I don't know. I don't I, see. That's the thing. I mean, it's like modern TV. I don't even know what channel things are on because I record them all and I watch them later so I can skip through the commercials. Understood. I got you. If there's something on that I want to watch that night, I'll go away and do something for a half an hour and then I'll come back just so I can skip through the commercials. Right. Because I hate commercials. Well, well most well, of the time. Yeah. Unless it's a commercial from State Farm. Those are fantastic. Absolutely. Have you seen the one where the, the prospector climbs up the ladder to get the woman's gold in her bedroom? No. I've not <laughs> so, seen that. Yeah, it ain't got gold in there. <laughs> I rewind it and watch it like five times in a row. That and the, uh, the one where the teenager crashes into somebody's yard. Have you seen that one? Don't all commercials have a teenager crashing into a yard? They should, way, because it's form? very entertaining. I think, yeah, I think every commercial should have a teenager <laughs> crashing into something. The more you know. Apparently, I'm not watching enough television because I'm not seeing any of these commercials. Yeah. Well, that's you, probably you, good you really thing. need to bone up on the, uh, the brain rot there, right, my friend. Sure, absolutely. So, rot that brain. Uh, you like the ending of Futurama and you like the finale of Breaking Bad. Yeah. yeah. I think those are two of the most satisfying endings for shows that I've seen since I can remember, honestly. Yeah. Breaking Bad, I think, was probably one of the best endings. Yeah. I think it wrapped up everything. I mean, oh, it, I did, did, yeah. it did what it was supposed to do. 
there's so many great shows that I've loved over the years that I felt betrayed by the ending. Yeah. Like you want to go put a pox on the house of the writers. Exactly right. Right. Why not? I've been there. I've done that. You think about it too. I mean, they gave you five good years or they gave you six good years, but it's the ending. It shouldn't be equally important as to the fact that you got five years of entertainment out of it. But after those five great years of entertainment, you get the ending and you're just like, man, that sucked. Yeah. So obviously there's a huge fan of Breaking Bad out there. Did you hear about this? Did you hear about Tony Hopkins? Sir Anthony Hopkins? That's, that's the one. AKA, right, right. AKA Hannibal Lecter. Did you hear about this? I did not. Did you hear about this letter? He wrote in a letter. He wrote a letter. I People heard about don't this. write letters anymore. They don't. Well, apparently Tony Hopkins does. And I nice. thought when I heard about this earlier this week, I thought the first thing I thought was, okay, Tony has not let the character of Hannibal go. That's what Hannibal was doing. Oh, yeah. He would write letters to Clarice. Uh, yes. And taunt her via letter. Yes. Um, yeah. So he wrote a letter to Brian Cranston. No shit. Uh, basically telling him that he was the best actor he had ever seen. No shit. I, I ever seen. I, I, I wow. ever, ever, ever seen. Actually, the line from the letter is, I have never watched anything like it. Brilliant. Your performance as Walter White was the best acting I have seen ever. Wow. Yeah. That's, and that's from that's Tony. That's nice. That's from Tony Hopkins. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's nice. And before I make fun of this too much, I actually thought this was pretty cool because everybody thinks they can do everything and everything has been demystified and everybody gets cynical about everything. I think it's, I think it's pretty cool that an Academy Award winning actor, a, a knight of the Royal Guard, um, <laughs> and an accomplished stage actor, um, can still be inspired by and impressed by performances of his peers. So I actually thought that was pretty cool. I think it's very cool. Yeah. I mean, we're in trouble if we need the Knights because what do we got? Elton John, Paul McCartney, Anthony Hopkins. Oh, you got Bob Geldof. Mick Jagger, is, isn't he knighted? <laughs> I don't know. I'm pretty sure he's a knight. Really? Mick Jagger's a knight? Yeah. And then you have wow. like a Christopher Knight from the Brady Bunch, right? <laughs> Michael Knight. <laughs> Michael Knight, right? Knight Rider Kit. Absolutely, right. There's there are knights. That's right. There are several knights out there. I thought it was I, I thought it was neat. Um I, I thought that it would have been clever if uh, in his letter he, he would have taunted Cranston a little bit. Like Well, you know, did. actually what happened is after he received the letter, yeah. he uh, got a phone call from Anthony Hopkins and he said Have the lamb stopped screaming? Who are you talking to right now? Who is it you think you see? Do you know how much I make a year? I have no plans to call on you. The world's more interesting with you in it. <laughs> exactly. See, now that would have been fun. Because in the letter, he talks about it's almost midnight out here in Malibu. And I felt compelled to write this email. And no kidding. Oh. I went back and looked at some of the letters that Hannibal was writing to Clarice in both Silence of the Lambs and in Hannibal. And it sounds like it's a, a piece of writing lifted right out of the Thomas Harris books. Really? Like those were the types maybe of Thomas things. Maybe Thomas Harris wrote this letter. Maybe Thomas Hopkins. Harris did write the maybe letter. They maybe they anyway. collaborated. Right. Hey, uh, Tom, can you help me write a letter? Right. So long story short. I don't the, know why I just gave Anthony Hopkins a New Jersey accent, but right. I did. You know, Tony Hopkins is apparently got a huge crush on Brian Cranston, that's, uh, which that's is nice. cool. The other cool thing, as I stated, you got a very accomplished actor saying great things about other actors. Again, very cool. At last, cool or creepy that 
Tony Hopkins has apparently just completely co-opted the character of Hannibal and he still feels <laughs> compelled to he write. He become. Right. He, he's writing disturbing literature to other people that may or may not be analyzed what by. What started as a black comedy descended into a labyrinth of blood, destruction, that, and yeah, hell. That's the it best It was like part. a great Jacobian Shakespearean or Greek tragedy. Right, I, I, I love can't it. do a, a Tony Hopkins. You can hear him going. I know there is so much smoke blowing and sickening bullshit in this business, and I sort of lost belief in anything really. But this work of yours is spectacular, absolutely stunning. I wonder what Jack Crawford and Paul Krendler over at the bureau would see. You, know, you can just you can, you can just hear <laughs> you can that. roll right into yeah, it. Yeah, you, you can you can roll right into it. Um, but anyway, very cool. I mean, a nice a nice. Uh, my take on it was that I thought it was a perfect finale and i'm not going to spoil it for any of the listeners there are probably people who are st- yeah. I, I know a lot of friends of mine that are now just catching up on the show and didn't watch the finale and yes. here you've got tony hopkins himself who is 100 guilty of binge viewing yeah because he says that that's how he opens the letter um talking about how he just finished a marathon yes. of watching breaking bad he couldn't from, stop watching it. couldn't stop it well are you breaking that down for people who don't know what marathon means or <laughs> <laughs> no i just picture him like i can't stop i have to watch the next one i've just finished a marathon of watching Breaking Bad from episode one of the first season to the last eight episodes. So there it is. And, and clearly Tony Hopkins is one of those guys yeah. who he binge viewed it. And then he got to the last eight episodes um, during a period of two weeks. He, cause he says a total of two weeks of addictive viewing. Uh, yeah, it so, doesn't take long to watch a great show like that. Right. And my, I guess my thing is that, you know, if he was so addicted, why did they take him two weeks? <laughs> I mean, he's Tony Hopkins. He's in Malibu. Yeah. You know, what, the, what else is he doing? <laughs> yeah, you know. Maybe he's uh, working with a producer to get a movie made with him and Brian Cranston. You, is he in this Thor 2 movie? Because you think he he's is in Thor 2. Well there, you, well, there you go. Well, that would have been wrapped a long time ago. Yeah. And I don't think they're yeah, making any more. it's been done. They're not making any more Zorro movies, are they? Uh, no. God, I hope not. So anyway, loved the gun. I, I mean, I won't go into it. That was fantastic. The gun in the trunk. Brilliant. The, that, and I, I loved that. The whole buildup was great. To your point, they really did wrap up almost everything that you could possibly dream of wrapping up. Yeah. Um, I don't and, think they, la- I mean, I can't think of a loose end. I'm sure there is one, but I can't think of one. And here's the thing, and I don't, I'd be anxious to see what you think about this. I, I would have forgotten about Lydia. And I was trying to figure out how long would it have taken me to realize that they didn't wrap up Lydia? Because uh, I thought that was fantastic. Oh, yeah. You know, that because I thought, Absolutely. oh, this is great. And he's walking out in the parking lot and this is how it's going to end. And then he makes the phone call to yeah. her, which was the cherry on the top of the Sunday, as I told people. Because I think, I mean, I eventually would have gone like, hey, wait, whoa, wait a minute. <laughs> they never did anything with, with Lydia. And the way they wrapped that up with her and the, yeah. and the yeah. that was fantastic writing. To the writer's credits. No, it's not just Vince Gilligan. Yeah. I mean, there's a whole I, team. There's a whole team of them. Yeah. But... Yeah, I liked it. I thought it was great. But, you know, speaking of Vince Gilligan and the writing and whatnot, I don't know if you oh, watched yeah. the talking bad. Somebody asked a question about him taking his watch off and putting it on top of the telephone. They kind of realized that they really didn't have anything going on. And then he talks about a scene where they tried to tie that in. And then they talk about from a continuity perspective, he didn't have his watch on in one of the scenes that they had shot out of order. So they had to create something uh, for him to take the watch off because I, I focused on it. It's one of those things where essentially it's like, that's where he left his fingerprints. It was just kind of neat how, to your point, they've weaved that storyline and Easter eggs is a great term. There's so much stuff that they've been dangling out there for a long period of time. Yeah. Well, speaking of dangling out there. Hey, now. Did you catch Aaron Paul whenever he talked about... Yeah, bitch. (laughs) When he talked about what Cranston did for the last scene, 
yeah, to man, take, to take off his underwear and just stand there butt ass naked. <laughs> Is that the it gave him the ass when they filmed the last scene? Yes, yeah, it was episode six of this past of the the final season. Yes, they filmed the last scene. wasn't It wasn't in episode eight. I'd never heard that, that but I can see that because Cranston was just there in the tidy whities. Yes. So that's kind of funny that he was just dropping trowel and showing his ass to Well, Aaron that's Paul. what Aaron Paul said is that anytime he could show him his ass, he did. <laughs> he just had pulled down his pants. Anytime he can have the opportunity to show me his ass, he does. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. I'm just such a huge fan. Of your show. That, that sounded a little more like Morgan Freeman. Well, you know. Maybe I, Morgan Freeman could write him a letter, too. I'm sure he will. I mean, everybody will, you know, jump on the train. I mean, they did. Everybody started watching it. So now that Tony Hopkins has fired off a fan letter, maybe uh, maybe all of Hollywood will wait. I'm sure George Clooney will jump on there. <laughs> he tells us how to avoid the shutdown, and I'm sure he's going to, you know, comment on Tony Hopkins. So, he discovered South Park. So, so. <laughs> oh, that's good stuff. So, so, and then the only other thing I got to say about Breaking Bad is um, the dynamite drop-in of Badfinger's classic, Baby, Baby Blue. Blue. Yeah, which is fitting for anybody who's a fan of the show. Fantastic. I, on my Facebook post, I'd put out there just, you know, quizzically, I think on Monday, like, hey, I wonder how many people downloaded Baby Blue after last night's episode. I remember that. Yeah, and, and because I was one of them. I did it, like... 30 seconds after. Really? Because I'm like, whoa, oh, I completely forgot about that song. Yeah. You know, because Badfinger, they were a neat band. They, oh, yeah, they, they were good. I mean, no matter what, was a, I was a huge fan of that song. Played that in several bands. If you want it, here it is, come and get it, you know, which was a Paul McCartney mm-hmm. hand-me-down to them. Right. Um, and so everybody, they know Badfinger tunes. They just don't know that they're Badfinger tunes. That's and, and quite at, true. I hadn't heard Baby Blue in 20 years, at least. And then they played that, and I'm like, that is fantastic. I did a little research and found that, you know, um, after the show had aired, you, you know, it had 5,000 downloads as, really? as of the next day. I mean, it was quickly, you know, climbing up the charts on iTunes and was one of the, uh, one of the biggest downloads and was poised to become the biggest download of, of that week. The 5,000 downloads boosted the sales of it by 3,000 <laughs> percent. 3,000. 3,000 percent. Awesome. Right, right, right. And, and you know, and I will tell you, I, I had downloaded No Matter What from Badfinger years mm-hmm. ago. And that was, you know, like when you go on their most popular, yeah. it was that song and then like nothing else even registered. Like they, they don't have histograms that go backwards. Um, <laughs> anyway, so, so, so that, that was cool. I thought that was a nice thing, but then, you know, in the blurb about people downloading it, yeah. they, they have to hit you with a, a sad dose of reality. It was a bittersweet moment for Badfinger because the band really fell on some hard times and two, they did. the two chief songwriters are dead. They killed themselves. And they killed they? themselves over royalties yes uh because they they like many artists got screwed by their lawyer and their accountants and whatnot so you got these two guys who wrote these great songs you know 40 years ago yeah um that just you know whacked themselves where does the money go which is very similar to where did walt's money go yeah you know (laughs) so i'm thinking that the bad finger money should also be managed by the schwartzes You know what I'm saying? I, I think awesome. they should take all the royalties and they yes. should go to, to Gretchen and the husband. Right. And maybe they should give them to, uh, to Flynn, yeah. Walter Jr. Walter Jr. Um, whenever, you know, whenever they're ready to. Cause well, why don't you just <laughs> die already? <laughs> That's a great imitation in terrible taste, but fantastic. Very good. So 
All right. So yeah, so that's, so that's what, I, that's what I've been up to. Um, uh, so I think we, I think we covered some current events there. We did. Yeah. We should probably take a break. Okay. And then when we come back, we can, uh, talk about, I think we're going to talk about Halloween because it is the season. It is the season is, is to this, be scary. This is a Halloween flavored. It's not overpowering. No, no, we it's, haven't been scary at all yet. Well, no, no. I mean, it's not, um, from a flavor standpoint, mm. it's, uh, it's not teeming with, it's not with teeming. Halloween. It's not teeming with Halloween. It's, it's slightly hinted. Lightly uh, dusted with Halloween. Right, there you go. Yes, yes, yes. It's in a Halloween demi glaze. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> with some fava beans and a nice Halloween. Well, there you go. Uh, maybe Tony Hopkins will send us a letter after this. That would be awesome. But I think like, he, he would want to eat us. Probably. Yeah. But that's all right. Because we were rude. We were rude. Very rude when you read my letter. And made fun of it. I don't particularly care for the way that you took my prose and twisted it. <laughs> it was very rude. <laughs> it's awesome. All right, well, we'll take a break. I shall be dining on your kidneys with some <laughs> shaved fennel and a fine Chardonnay. <laughs> ah, all right. All right, we'll be back. You got away. Let us let us talk about Halloween. Tis the season, Daniel. To be scary. Tis, tis the season to be scary. Halloween. I like fall. I like autumn. Yeah. I like summer's end, which sounds like a feminine hygiene product. <laughs> that's actually a book. Summer's Eve. Is, yeah, Summer's is, Eve. That's a that's. I like Summer's Eve and Summer's End. That's a feminine hygiene product. Summer's End is is Summer's End really? Mom, a book? do you ever get that not so fresh <laughs> feeling? Right. Um, which then immediately- No, you dirty- <laughs> Don't take a shower. I don't. And I, the reason I don't is because I shower. <laughs> Maybe, honey, if you took a shower once a month, Here's you wouldn't thing. have that problem. You're getting to be that age, sweetheart, where, I don't know, cleanliness is- Might be useful. Something you should look into. Yeah, anyway. Nah, I'm, I'm quickly changing the subject. I'm, I'm changing the subject back to Halloween. Halloween. Yes. How, so Halloween. Um, what do I think of Halloween? Yeah, I I'm mean, a big fan of Halloween. Well, I enjoy the macabre. I enjoy 
the bridge between worlds. I enjoy Whoa. enjoy the uh, the scary stories. I'm a fan of the dude. I'm just asking if you pass out fucking Snickers bars. No, uh, what's this? No, what's I, this macabre bridges I, to other worlds? This yeah. whole the not I, not a fan of the trick or treat. Are you going to start talking about the black? Mass? I turn the lights out. Are we gonna, are we going to black mask? No, I'm not crazy. But well, I didn't say you were well, crazy. I'm not a fan of the trick or treaters. No, really, no. is that right? No. Were I'm, you a trick-or-treater when you were a kid? Uh, I was. Okay. You know, there were people that uh, gave out candy, and the people that didn't, we threw little pieces of corn at their house. and To celebrate the feast. <laughs> they called it tic-tacking. I mean, I'm sure it's like the only part of the country where that's called what it is. You ever, have you heard of tic-tac? I've not. It's when you take handfuls it's a of can, corn. It's a little mint. No, no. This is like dried corn. Oh, no. I thought you were talking about tic-tac. <laughs> the, the tasty yes, mint. Son of a bitch. Yeah. Um, no, you take a handful of the dried corn and you throw it at people's houses at like midnight, one o'clock in the morning. And sure. it goes tic-tac, tic 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 Okay. Well, so was this... Devil's you, Eve. Okay. Well, um, see, that, well, that kind of goes into the whole thing. And that's, that's, that's really what... You know, the, the kickoff of the conversation Mayhem. here. Because I think Halloween is a good story. It is a good you story. You know, that, that's what that's why I thought it was it was good fodder for for the ninth story in, in our as our Halloween episode. You know, um, this is a big fan of Halloween. Dr. John Towers? Well, yeah. Most of the writers and authors and comic book guys that I follow are are fans of, of Halloween. Yeah. That probably reflects my taste more than anything else. But Neil Gaiman's also a big fan of Halloween. Uh, All Hallows Read. Have okay. you heard of that? No, I've not. That's where you give away a, a scary story to someone yeah. for Halloween as a gift. Oh, okay. And uh, it's like a big event. And last year, he gave away a free story on Audible. It was completely free. You didn't have to pay for it. But if you wanted to give a donation, all the donations went to charity. Wow. I mean, it was a short story. It was, I think it was, uh, it was like 15, 20 minutes long. Do you think he wrote it on his way to the show that night? <laughs> Like Lincoln? I don't know. Um, you think he rode in the back of a cab? That's right. <laughs> no way. Oh, fuck. Rubbish. He, well, he did uh, mention that he had a short story written already. He uh, thought it would be perfect for that. Right. I had a sandwich today and it inspired this writing. So, right, it is. Enjoy. <laughs> so, uh, I'll, I'll put it out there. I'm actually going to uh, do my, I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to write a short story for Halloween and I'm going to read it. And put it up on the Ninth Story podcast for Halloween. That's awesome. Yeah. That's downright macabre. Yeah, well, we'll see if it's any good first, but I'm <laughs> still going to give you some free stuff. So. Nice. Free, well, free shit is good, and I think that's the spirit. It lowers your expectations if it's free. <laughs> <laughs> it's not technically good, but and it's free. And isn't that the key? Uh, yeah, as long as it's free, we, we could care less if it's shit. That's right. I'm, I'm into the, the trick-or-treating thing. Only because I've, you know, a 10-year-old and a 9-year-old. That so, helps. Yeah, so they're big into it. But I, when I was living alone, I would go to the bar that night. Or yeah. I would go hide out in the basement and turn off the, all the lights <laughs> and to, to make sure that nobody came and knocked on the door. That's right. You know, you go through those phases and whatnot. And there are certain elements of Halloween that, that have no bearing upon your particular lot in life at that time. Right. Um, I think that Halloween is a great story and i think it's one of those things i mean you're you're tic-tacking stories it's another one of those things it's like everybody has their own interpretations of the rituals that go along mm -hmm. with, with halloween it's another one of those elements of storytelling like this culture does it this way and this culture does it this way and this culture heard a little bit of the way those people did it and they've incorporated that into their celebration of halloween but i have a book i bought this book years ago wow um, good for you yeah I, you know I, have a book. I encourage people to have books i love it it's my book i <laughs> I, I pet it love it and i call it george 
actually, the book is called Halloween, interestingly enough. From what Peg- a great choice yeah, for from, a book. From Peg- if you're going to own a book, own Halloween. Right. If you're going to own a book about Halloween, it's helpful that the book is actually called Halloween. It helps you find yeah. the book to begin with. It does. <laughs> the big pumpkin on the front of it's a big fucking help. <laughs> um, but anyway, it's called From Pagan Ritual to Party Night by Nicholas Rogers. So, I mean, he does a nice job. He traces it through all uh, different cultures and kind of goes through literally from pagan ritual to party night. So, you know, the mythology is that it's a derivative of a pagan ritual, that that's, that's where Halloween came from. But it actually does have its basis in Christian uh, etymology um, in that, that if you are a Christian and you follow the Christian calendar, literally Halloween is a derivative of All Hallows' Eve, uh, not All Hallows' Read, as Mr. Gaiman chooses to. Yes. But, but, I, but I bet you Neil Gaiman's a Christian if he, if he calls it All Hallows' Read, I would wager. Maybe, or it's yeah. just the British way of saying, well, it's, it's a go. very European way of saying Halloween. Exactly. All Hallows' Eve. That's right, that's right. <clears throat> which is the eve of All Saints' Day, which is November 1st, which is then followed by All Souls' Day, which is November 2nd. And in the Christian calendar, that's when um, everybody honors the lost souls and or the recently departed. So it's got a little bit of celebration in a, in a morning, in a, in a macabre kind of way. It's like um, the, the Day of the Dead in uh, Mexico? Yeah, 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 exactly. But then you got that kooky little Celtic. You mean uh, the original yes. that, that the Christians came in and kind of put frosting on top of? If you the, dig deep enough, most of these Christian holidays have a pagan or earth religion root to them. Agreed, agreed, absolutely. And I always love to spend a little time reading a little bit about the Celtic uh, origins. I, yes. think, I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. The Celtic festival of, I'm going to anglicize it, Samhain, which, you know, I understand is actually pronounced. Yeah. yeah. It's not pronounced Samhain. It's, it's, which means the end of summer. You know, the feast of the Samhain was where communities kind of got together. They organized, they had a little party. They told fairy tales. They gathered supplies for the coming winter. Because the Walking Dead were coming and you needed to have supplies. Well, that's right. I mean, if you're going to start pelting the Walking Dead with something, what better than to have a whole bunch of gourds <laughs> Better around. than corn. Right. Better than corn. Um, although, you know, I think if the Celts would have known about this tic tac thing, they probably would have, you know, they yeah. probably could have fended off some angry mob who was some dried corn. Yeah. Well, gourds weren't really known in Europe until after... The, well, yeah, I mean, you didn't have, wasn't there a, a, one of the white trash reality shows there a couple of years ago where that was one of the things like people had the pumpkin launcher? Oh, yeah, pumpkin chunking? Yeah, that's what I'm it's talking on, about. It's on like the, uh, I think that's on Discovery or the uh, Ancient Alien, I mean the uh, H2 channel. <laughs> right. It's on one of those one of those channels that uh, the aliens have invaded. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, so you had the Feast of the I think it was Discovery there. Science Channel, actually. Really? Yeah. Did they... It, 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 there's certain things that just like I don't, it doesn't make any sense to me. Like the the fact that sci-fi has wrestling on it. Yes, I know. It, why is there wrestling on the sci-fi channel? That doesn't make any sense. It to doesn't me. make sense. But uh, why is pumpkin chunking on the Discovery Science Channel? Well, why are ancient aliens on H two in the History Channel? Yeah, I don't know. I can't answer that. I was going to try to come up with something. I mean, some really. of the shows are good. I mean, they're they're entertaining. I don't think you're passing judgment on the shows. No, I just think it's so you're weird just asking questioning like like you know. I remember when the Sci-Fi Channel used to have Battlestar Galactica on it, yeah. and now I got guys in spandex. <laughs> exactly right. So what do you think about the, the myth of the Black Mass? Because there's a lot of contention about whether that's... Whether it's real or not, yeah. or whether it actually happened. Yeah, the Black Mass and the, the sacrificing of the firstborn child to the gods, because that's how 
you could ensure that you were going to have a winter where you didn't starve. Summer's over, the days are shorter and the nights are getting long and it's going to be real cold and we got to we got to forage and get all this food and the only way we're going to make it through this whole thing is if we sacrifice the babies um and you hear that is all part of that original the really dark twisted side of halloween it's all part of the dark twisted side of humanity too i mean you think about human nature is to protect the children beyond everything else i mean any anything that's alive it's protect your offspring it's built into us so how freaked out and how scared are you that you think the solution to your problem is killing your own children? Do you think uh, Do you think Steven Spielberg made a critical misstep when he had all those kids toiling in the mines? Well, they were looking for the uh, the stone, weren't they? Yeah, that's right, Kalima. So, what do you mean by misstep? Because she had kids. Kids were, you know, you, you, kids were being victims there. I don't think the kids ever got sacrificed and had their hearts ripped out. No, but. Uh, one of the rules of writing is the way that you make a vile character even more vile mm-hmm. is to make him hurt a child or a dog. Yeah, that's true. That's right. There's two things you never want to see on screen. Somebody hurting a kid or somebody hurting a pet. Yeah, exactly yeah. right. Don't kick the dog. Don't kick the kid. That's right. That's right. <clears throat> so anyway. Well, you know, Steven Spielberg could go back and digitally edit the children out. Because <laughs> <laughs> I understand they took the walkie talkies and put those in the hands of the cops instead of guns and E.T., Ah, I refuse to see that version, but that's what I understand happens. There is a a director's cut of that Indiana Jones uh, film where the kids are dinosaurs. (laughs) They're velociraptors. Right. I mean, he felt bad about having slave children working, toiling in the mines there for Kalima. So he just had them velociraptors instead. Dr. Jean, you cover your heart. That's right. Now, I wish Short Round would have been sacrificed. (laughs) That's as, as, as a viewer, I mean, I would have had no problem if he would have decided to kill that particular kid off. <laughs> and maybe he could have morphed Maybe he could have had him eaten by like a German Shepherd or something. Wow. Yeah. Not a fan. Hitler's German Shepherd. They even Blondie better. or whatever her name was. was. It Blondie was her name. You think Spielberg was ever, was going to do anything with Hitler in it? <laughs> well, he, he uh, most well, of his fair movies. Point. <laughs> most of his movies. <laughs> what am I thinking? Yeah, of course he was. Well, that was a rhetorical question. I knew the answer. Come on, Dan. Uh, yeah. So anyway, so I mean, that's the the the, the extreme dark side yes. of of the Halloween story. How that came to I get costumes. Um, because that was part of it too. Like that would, that was part of the celebration. Like people would dress up in costumes and they would, that's how you would ward off evil spirits and blah, because blah, blah, you man. looked like one of them. So yeah. they would think, Oh, it's that's another right. ghost. I'm not that, worried about that. That's guy. exactly right. And I think the giving of candy kind of comes out of that. We're stocking up for the winter months. Or I is it, it placating the spirits? Eh, it could go in multi I mean, it's directions. Like, it's like whenever... You have house spirits and things. You would leave a bowl of milk or bread or some sort of offering to the spirits to keep them from causing mischief. I thought you just, you know, you didn't feed them after midnight. No, that's gremlins. Oh, fuck. I I get, you know, I get get sidetracked. Did I ever ever tell you... We'll take we'll take a uh, we'll take a second to talk about this, and I'll decide whether or not it's going to go in the show. Did I ever tell you the story about the about the woman that had the hairless cat? No. Okay, so this woman has a hairless cat. Okay, that's it. No. <laughs> so, that's I'm, a, that, that so, is, so I'm, I'm working. It's a great story. And, and <laughs> it's awesome. got it's got a beginning. It's got an end. It it's got a twist. There's a woman. It's got a twist. It's got a character development. There's a woman. 
Yeah. And she has a bald cat. She oiled it down. She she, you, have to, you had to put oil on it. You had to put lotion. You had to rub the lotion on the cat. <laughs> <laughs> Do it. Don't hurt my dog, lady. Yeah. <laughs> You might fourteen. What the? Uh, what was? What was? Uh, what's Doctor Evil's cat's name? <laughs> Mister Bigglesworth. That's it. Was it? Was it Bigglesworth a hairless Mr. cat? Anyway, so so this woman, she had a hairless cat. Yes. So she's like, "Hey, you want to see me get you my ball, kitty?" Uh, seriously. And I'm like, "You didn't take the bait on that, did you?" I couldn't help myself. <laughs> she's like, "You want to see my ball, kitty?" And I'm like, "Fuck no, lady." So she pulls out, the, she pulls it out anyway and shows it to me. And I'm like, holy shit, it's a picture of a cat, not her kitty. Well, I guess it is her kitty, but. Well, sure. I mean, when she said, you want to see my bald kitty? I thought something completely different than, hello, sir, would you like to see a picture of my cat that see, has I, no I, hair? I, I, I think the. Uh, so I'm like, holy shit, what did you do? Feed that thing after midnight? She's like, what do you mean? So I'm like, it looks like fucking Stripe. You made a clever allusion to Gremlins, and she completely... She completely missed it. She, you know, she blew it. <laughs> so to speak. See, I don't think you like the story as much as you like to say... You want to see my bald kitty? Right. I think you just set it up to I'm gonna say. I'm going to make that a sound bite. And right. I'm just going to play it occasionally. That was completely extemporaneous. I don't think any of that shit happened. <laughs> That's why I think nuts. I think, well, she's clearly certifiable, but I think you just want to say. You want to see my bald kitty? <laughs> right. <laughs> That's right. So, anyway, I don't know. I don't know what the hell that has to do with Halloween. Nothing. Um, Except that it was scary as shit. It, well, it certainly. Wouldn't. Well, you made a reference to Gremlins. I first. did. That's you right. Know. My fault. And and then it led this down this path. That's right. Of darkness. But but it is. It does tie in directly to Gremlins. Then. So. So black, the black mass. The black mass. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if it's. I don't know if it's real. I, I mean, see, how do you, how do you, how do you, t- I don't know. There's because, so many things that get blown out of proportion, right. but I mean, is it possible? Sure. I mean, there've been cultures throughout history that have engaged in human sacrifice. Absolutely. So, I mean, I think the black mass, whether it did or didn't happen, I think again, that's, that's a neat part of the folklore of the Halloween. It lends to the, the eeriness, the creepiness of, Hey, bad shit could happen to you guys tonight. Go get your Snickers bars. Eat them up while you can. Watch out for the Slender Man. Right, right there's these Slender Man. You know, I, I bet like 18 kids uh, come to my door this Halloween dressed, dressed as Slender Man. Yeah, because my son was one of the. He was thinking about going as Slender. Really? Is it that young? They they. Oh yeah, into the Slender Man. Oh yeah, it's crazy. It's a batshit crazy these days. Yeah, that's creepy though. I mean, yeah. I know it was like completely invented. Yeah. So when do you stop trick-or-treating? You got any thoughts on that? I mean, you, you're, you're not a fan of it. I see kids, because um, I'm, you know... My, That's my, probably why I'm not a fan of it. Right. My, my wife goes, she trick-or-treats. She takes the kids out around the neighbors. Your, she your wife? Her. Yeah, she takes, she takes the kids out. I sit there and pass out candy and generally lubricated myself, so to speak. <laughs> you know, I've had... I've, I, You've I, had a few drinks. One of the other you know, fathers from the neighborhood is sitting there with me. And when we say this every year, okay... If you if you have a driver's license, if you pull up in front of someone's house <laughs> and you get out and you have a pillowcase uh, and you know you're like wearing a baseball cap sideways and that's Yo your homes. Co- that's your costume and you're, you know like who are you supposed to be and they're like I'm Jesse Pinkman okay then <laughs> I think the last time I trick or treated I was in fifth grade how old's fifth grade and that's like ten years old 
I think I was probably about 12. Yeah. I mean, that, that's right around that age. Yeah. I mean, because then it became more fun to be involved in the whole trick-or-treaters coming to the house experience. I, mean, I would like, I would stuff myself with newspaper, like put on the, the baggy clothes, stuff myself with newspaper, yeah. put the mask on. And people were like, oh, that's a guy. Oh, no, it's just stuffed with paper. Ah! And then you yeah. jump up, you know. So the, uh, the, 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 the film. Halloween. How many times now, did you just say the? The. I said it a lot. I like to, <laughs> I like to throw that word out there. I do. Halloween. Yes. The film. First Halloween movie is yes. what I'm talking about here. Okay. How, how do you feel about it? It's scary shit, man. And when I talk about Halloween, I I'm haven't seen about, it in a while, but I remember it. I mean, yeah. it's one of those things that sticks with you. It's awesome. obviously Roger Ebert, who I'm a big fan of. Everybody knows Roger Ebert of Siskel and Ebert fame. Yes. He loved that film. Loved it. And That's he, surprising to it, me. It is. That's why that movie, Carpenter's Halloween, the first one. It's yeah, and I guess good, it shouldn't be surprising to me because so many times people lump it into the same category as what eventually became the travesty of the Nightmare on Elm Street series that's right. and the travesty that was Jason. And that's right. It's lumped into that same category, but it, it, it is actually different. Yeah, absolutely. I printed... Um, Ebert's original film review from October 31st of 1979. I'm not going to read the whole review. I'm a huge fan of the first Halloween. I was from back in the days of my youth, a huge fan of Siskel and Ebert. And I was always amazed that, to, as, as you just stated there, Dan, eloquently, that, that you have major film critics, you know, lauding this piece of work that unfortunately sometimes gets overlooked and doesn't get seen by enough people. But in terms of fright movies, Halloween films, and it's just it's just an absolute classic. And, and Ebert gave it he gave it four out of four stars, um, which for a, a scary film is somewhat unheard of. And who knows if you'll see that again. Mm -hmm. But I thought one of the things that he wrote that was fantastic is he says it's easy to create violence on the screen, but it's hard to do it well. And Carpenter is uncannily skilled, for example, at the use of foregrounds in his compositions. And everyone who likes thrillers knows that foregrounds are crucial. The camera establishes the situation, then it pans to one side and something unexpectedly looms up in the foreground. <laughs> Usually it's a tree or a door or a bush. Not always. And it's interesting Shrubbery. how he paints his victims. They're all ordinary, everyday people. Nobody's supposed to be the star and have a big scene and win an Academy Award. The performances are all the more absorbing because of that. The movie's a slice of life that is carefully painted in drab daylights and impenetrable nightmares before its human monster enters the scene. Now, and I think that's great, the way that Ebert encapsulizes that, because that's, that's what that movie is. And people see it now... Like, I, I, I think, I remember when I would tell people Halloween is the greatest horror movie. Yeah. And they would watch it and they would be like, Why? nothing happens. You know, there's nothing going on. It's, it's boring. It's the anticipation. It's the... Right. It's the buildup. That's right. And, and that's the thing. It's like, I think that's why it's such... It's, it's great. It's a great story. Yes. Um, and it's... I mean, it's a great... It's a great ghost story. Yeah. It's, if it's, you're looking for a slasher a monster, film, right. it's not It's that. not. It's, that's it's, exactly right. It's not a slasher film. It's it's high suspense. Yes. Um, and even the, the... There's there's limited killings in that. There's enough. And the ones that do happen stick with you. Oh, yeah. Because I think that's the thing. I, I remember... As a kid, I think I saw Halloween when I was 12 years old. Wow. And there's there's the kid who who gets stuck to the pantry door with the butcher knife. Oh, yeah. And he stands there and looks at him. And I still, that's one of those images that, 
has stuck with me for 30 years. Yeah. You know, and that scares the hell out of you. And, and I think like, like Ebert noted in the review, that movie is dark. It, and even the daylight scenes, it's gray. Yes. And there's nothing uplifting about that movie. And it, the music is creepy. There, the dialogue, there isn't much of it. And that's a good thing. You right. don't have the dopey ass, stereotypical teenagers doing that. Well, you have a little bit of that. Yeah. But it's, it's well played. I mean, there's good character development and it's just a great, great movie. And I, and I, and I love the way that, um, even in the review that Ebert put on there, he tells people, if you don't want to be scared, then don't see this movie. Right. The, the actual line is, I'd like to be clear about this. If you don't want to have a really terrifying experience, don't see Halloween. But I think everybody should see Halloween. And you got to watch it unedited. You got to watch the original version. I'm not talking about the remake, the Rob Zombie shit. And don't watch any of the sequels because they all suck. The sequels are horrible. I always looked at Halloween somewhat in the same way as I look at and, and you got to stick with me on the, the analogy of Star Wars in that I think a lot of the development came well after the first one was so successful. Yeah, that's where, true. Where, where there's a lot of, yes. you're writing backstory now at this point. Yeah, he front-loaded a lot of stuff into that story because he didn't know if the other ones were going to ever make it to the film. So you, you put everything you can in the exactly. first one. Carpenter essentially acknowledged that, you know, it was kind of an homage that he made to Hitchcock films. And it, there are a lot of tie-ins between Halloween and Psycho, just yes. in terms of the way they're made, the way they're lit, the way Hitchcock filmed something, and the way that Carpenter framed Character it. Character names, too, if I remember. Character names, absolutely. You've got, from, from the Psycho film, uh, the main character, Marion Crane, her lover's name is Sam Loomis. Ah, uh, okay, yes. And, and Sam Loomis is the name of Donald Pleasant's character. Not, in the, in the, not the same guy, though, right? Not the same guy. <laughs> no, no. But, I mean, Donald Pleasant's probably would not have been able to pull off uh, the, the role of, of Vivian Lee's lover. And then, you know, then you've got the obvious that Vivian Lee is Jamie Lee Curtis's mother. And Ah, uh, that's right. You know, a, a lot of tie-ins. And, and um, Roger Ebert had always talked about the similarities between the Halloween and the Psycho films. Um, but anyway, where I was going with that, it was like in the first film, you really don't even know that his name's Michael Myers. It no. comes up a couple of times. I mean, you can put two and two together because you know that the dead sister's name is Judith Myers and you know that at some point somebody makes reference to Michael. But the character in the credits and even in the book, I read the book when I was a kid, the character is called The Shape. Uh-huh, okay. That's the thing. And then how they morph that into the Laurie Strode thing, that she was the other sister. Yeah. And then... In the second movie, then they, they write Sam Hain. You see Sam Hain the word, as we referenced earlier. Essentially, the, the series, the franchise became fan fiction. I, I think that's exactly right. And I think John Carpenter, because Carpenter was there for the first one. Yeah. Um, he's involved in the second one, I'm pretty sure. But I think at that point, he was kind of like, you know what? Do whatever the fuck you want with this thing now. Just write me a check. Yeah. The third one has nothing to do with anything. Right. There's no Michael Myers reference. Then the fourth one is when Michael comes back. Then they just try to fill in gaps and create a whole lot of backstory and create this arc about the black mass and that Michael killed his sister because she was the firstborn and he sacrificed her because he was learning about the Celtic rituals in school. And then you get to this. So he's an educated, classy. Right. He's he's, he's, a classy killer. He's erudite. Yeah. He's He's, he's he's, online with. uh, I I never looked at it that way that when Michael whacked Judith. It was because he was educated. He was a smart fella. 
He was learning about stuff in school. He was learning about Sam Hain. Um, and then he just uh, he just took it to, uh, you know, he probably, probably took it a little further than 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 the educators would like him to. Um, yeah. But anyway, the first one was great because it was just that it was the acts of a madman. You know, the, the, the thing that scares everybody, that there is no pattern to it. It's just random. That's the scary. And that's what thing. makes it scary. Yes, that is one of the scariest things. Yeah. like, and people don't like it. You know no. what I mean? And and that's I think what makes it scary when you try to back into the the mythology of it and get to the point where I think it's by the time they get to the sixth film and you know Michael is still being he's being revived by people and you know, they bring him back because he's some superhuman and everybody who works in the hospital is now taking part in a black mass and they're sacrificing babies and if you haven't seen that that's not bullshit you know I hung in there with him for a while because it was like yeah all right the, the character's neat and it's it's a compelling story arc what can you do with it here um but it just got to the point where it was it was hokey. You know, it was just fucking hokey. Yeah. Okay, I stopped Karen. Now it's just bubblegum, but I can't stop chewing it. Maybe we should take a break real quick. Should we take a break now? We should take a break. What is that? So we're back. That's funky music, man. It I'm is funky music. That. That's a great piece. Really sets the tone there. It does. It does. The the bump music and the, the rejoin stuff you have on here is fantastic. Love it. The opening stuff. I always think of music from a Tim Burton scene. Oh, yeah? Yeah. When Vic starts taking us up in the elevator and I got the, the music playing, yeah. I picture snowflakes falling down on a dark <laughs> thing like in, like in Batman Returns. There's and I see a, Michelle Pfeiffer walking down the street in that latex. <laughs> well, you know, it's um, it's all in the show notes. We, I put all the music that I use in the show in the show notes because we got to appreciate the uh, artists that give away the free music that we use. The artist that creates a lot of the music that's used in the opening sequence is Incompetech.com. Yeah, kudos to them. I mean, as a musician myself, the music is fantastic talented folks and we certainly appreciate them lending their talent to, to the show so we're wrapping up episode four and we're introducing a new segment on the ninth story podcast i'm excited about this uh, yeah i love that i love it because you know i i actually have a book called the late show with david letterman the book 
You've and heard it, it here, folks. Yeah, and it Craig goes, has two books. That's two books. That's two of them now. <laughs> We've covered two of them tonight, and it goes way back. It's like from the the late eighties, and it's the early Letterman show when he was still on NBC in book form. And I remembered one of the quirkiest things that I loved about Letterman in those days was the segments. Everything was like a segment, you know. Everything right. that was cool. So in that spirit, we're introducing use your illusion. And for the kids at home, that's illusion with, with, with an A. a. Not the not the Guns and Roses. Use your illusions one and two, but but I think Axel was being clever with yeah. the use your illusion back then. I think that was part of the fun. Uh, so for the the illusion, um, this appeals to Dan and I as as would be writers. I'm a would be writer. Dan is actually a writer because um, he's dedicated to the craft. I just like to talk about it and wish, and if wishing made it so. <laughs> Which is an illusion that maybe we'll get to in another show. But an illusion, for all of those who don't know, is something that, uh, well, you know, from from the Merriam-Webster's Dictionary of Illusions, which is, dun-dun-dun, a third book that uh-huh. I have. Uh, it, it, you, you, and for those of you keeping a list. Uh, it, it, the passages all of us run into and sometimes use, these sideways references that are intended to add color and vigor to language. But they are lost on us if we have forgotten or never knew what they mean. We could stop reading and hope to find it in a dictionary. More likely, we just make a guess from context and read on in a fog. I love the illusion, and I think Dan loves the illusion. I and do. A, and a lot of us love illusions, whether we know what an illusion is or not, and blah, blah, blah. That's why- You don't have to know what the word is to enjoy it. Yeah, it's- uh, But, but it helps. It, that's right, and it's the whole, it helps you get the joke, as yes. they say, and everybody loves to get the joke. And a lot of times, illusions come from other things, and that's how, you know, my wife and I always have that conversation about, why did why was that funny to you? Or why was that witty? Why do you think that was witty? And mm-hmm. I will say, because that's a phrase that comes from this, and I love the way they use that in there. Or in, when you, you yes. see them in books, television shows, movies, normal conversation, um, and that's something that I gravitate to. And it's and again, as as we mentioned, and as you know, Dan and I have known each other for years. It's it's part of witty conversation between people that may or may not be viewed as dorks. Um, <laughs> anyway, so common illusions, they're, they're phrases that you hear in everyday life, but you don't necessarily know where they came from. And a lot of people just accept them as part of the common communication. So common illusions, Age of Aquarius, Endgame, Grassy Knoll, Iron Triangle, Keystone Cops, uh, Mickey Finn, Pushing the Envelope, uh, Rosetta Stone, Sea Change, and Witching Hour. Which we are being particularly appropriate for tonight's show. Absolutely. Dynamite drop in there, Mr. Foydick. Yeah. You know, one that I wrote down, this is not our illusion of the week, but this is just an example to prime the pump for everybody. Prime Um, the pump. Yeah. The Sword of Damocles. Its, Its meaning is something of impending potential disaster. And the phrase, the Sword of Damocles, is from Greek legend. Damocles was invited by, I believe, Dionysius, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, D- Damocles was invited to a banquet. The The relation between Damocles and Dionysius is that Damocles was always going on and on about the riches. And it was a lesson to, hey, it's kind of that be careful what you wish for, because although you have all these fortunes, there are perils that come along with them. Uh, uh, so, so be careful what you ask for. So, so Damocles, in order to show that, brought Damocles to the banquet and forced Damocles to sit under a sword for the entire period that was uh, suspended in there by a single human hair. And he was terrified. And and that's where the illusion comes from. And you hear it a lot. And I remember Dennis Miller, 
Ah. The great Dennis Miller. Master um, of the illusion. Master of the illusion. Master of the, the illusion that most people didn't get. Exactly. And that's the thing why, you know, you hear a lot of flack about people who like Miller and people who don't like Miller. Yeah. I love Dennis Miller. Oh, I love Dennis Miller. And, and I will say that, you know, I get 80% of his illusions, but there yeah. are even ones that I don't get. And he is the king of the sub-reference and yeah. the, the illusion and whatnot. And that's what makes Dennis Miller funny to me. Or yeah. And even when he's not being funny, even when he's being, you know, straight up and giving news commentary... I think that's why he's a good writer, a good performer, a good whatever. Yeah. When he was doing Monday Night Football there for the short short period of time that he did Monday Night Football, he actually made reference to in during the context of the the game. Uh, I think it was a blitz. <laughs> he he made a sort of Damocles reference, and Dan Fouts and whoever else was in the booth with Miller at the time were comp- like, "What? What did you just? <laughs> what is that?" And then I remember the day after there was uproar over, "Hey, Dan- Dennis Miller used this sort of Damocles. What the hell? Yeah, you know, we're talking about football." So anyway, illusion of the week is. Coles to Newcastle. Coles to Newcastle is a particular favorite of mine, something taken to or offered where it is already redundant or in good supply. Uh, Coles to Newcastle is a phrase that is to signify something that is redundant or in good supply. Coles to Newcastle is a particular favorite of mine. Coles to Newcastle is a phrase that is to signify something that is redundant, something taken to or offered where it is already redundant or in or in good supply. Uh, it's, a, it's an expression that's been around since the 17th century. It uh, goes back to the city of Newcastle, not the one in Pennsylvania. Not the one where we get the beer. That's correct. It's Newcastle, Great Britain. Um, and it was an area that was known for its abundance of coal. So when you say, talk about your coals to Newcastle, it's basically signifying, why would you be sending coal to Newcastle? Because Newcastle is already plentiful and has ah, an abundant okay. supply It's of like ice to an Eskimo. Exactly. That's yeah. and, and I think ice to an Eskimo is essentially um, just a derivative of your coals to Newcastle, given that coals to Newcastle has been around since the 17th century. Now, I remember, this, and this is a personal story of mine, um, this was, hey, I got that. Now, MASH is one of the greatest shows of all time. Oh, one yeah. Of the greatest television shows of all time. Absolutely. Great, great comedy, one of the best written shows ever. Um, and the writing staff of MASH was fantastic. There was an episode of MASH where they worked the phrase Coles to Newcastle in there. And I was proud to say that I got the joke when they, when, or the reference, not yeah. the joke, when they, when they said it. And it was a, it was an episode of, you know, it was a particularly cold time in the 4077th and the, the, the supply truck comes up and they're dropping stuff off. And while everybody's standing there hoping that, you know, there's like warm, so like, I believe they got ice cream <laughs> and Colonel Sherman Potter says, talk about your coals to Newcastle. Wow. That was a Potter quote. Right. And it wow. goes, and I guarantee you, it doesn't mean I'm a smart guy, but I I guarantee you that that reference was lost on a significant portion of the audience and they just skip right past it as you know Miriam Webster tells us and they went on in a fog and just waited for the next line but that was a you know a great example of a dynamite drop in from a writer who probably like I'm gonna get this in there I'm gonna find it's there for the five people that are gonna get it. that's exactly right which is the payoff for a writer exactly so 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 that's it that's the illusion that's the that's the coals to Newcastle Coles to and as, Newcastle. And as Dan eloquently waxed there, it's the it's the 17th century equivalent of ice to an Eskimo. <laughs> and that's it for this episode. So we're, that's it. I got nothing else. All right. So, this, uh, so we're going to go ahead and start the show now. <laughs> hey, happy Halloween to everybody. You know? Yeah, happy Halloween. See you next week. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. 
You've been listening to the Ninth Story Podcast, a Hicks and Fabulous production.